All right. So hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Raquel Perez, and I am here on a Zoom call with my friend, uh, Anne uh, Gross. <laughs> yeah, I've changed my name a couple times. It's fine. <laughs> wow. I almost went back. <laughs> so... Um, the only introduction to myself that I will uh, put out there before we get into our conversation is that I'm just a, a regular average Christian uh, trying to do my part in the kingdom, wrestling through the issues and trying to apply it to my real life. Um, I believe in striving to be better. I've been a native of New Jersey for most of my life. And uh, me and Anne have been friends uh, since the seventh grade. I will not tell you how old I am because that's my business. <laughs> um, uh, Anne and I have had our ups and downs in life, but um, the Lord is good. And he has reinitiated uh, our, our friendship, allowed us to uh, be able to speak again because we are in two totally different states. So uh, without much further ado, I will allow my friend Anne to just give um, her introduction of herself. I'm Anne, um, sometimes called Tony. Legal is Antoinette. Um, and uh, I don't know if Raquel is an average Christian, but we are both believers. Um, can't say that um, my walk has been spectacular, but um, I've never let go. So. There's that. Uh, Raquel and I have a uh, friendship started in the seventh grade in Woodshop. And I can say that we are in some terms yin and, yin and yang, I think you would agree. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she was more grace, I was more truth. And uh, as life would have it, we've both gone through a lot of uh, situations in our life, some people will call it traumatic. Um, we will say we're victorious. And so, and, and not exercising wisdom, we have knocked our friendship a little bit. And so we are privileged to be able to reignite, uh, renew, and rebuild our friendship. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. How do we rebuild um, things that we think are lost. How do we resurrect things that shouldn't have been dead? So, Amen. That's it. so um, for, this is the point of the conversation where I will now ignore the audience. And now it's just me and you. <laughs> All right. So I got my peanut butter sandwich and my coffee. <laughs> and I have my little cereal bar. Oh my gosh. And I got my my coffee yeah and a fried egg you know you know me <laughs> oh you got your fried egg today <laughs> nice nice so one of the things that i will um say and i think we've we've said this so many times but i really thank god for your friendship because especially i've been missing it for such a long time um I think we're very fortunate if we find one person in our life that mm -hmm. we could connect to. And I remember when we were younger, we used to compare ourselves to David and Jonathan. Yes. And that's how I always felt because it's so hard, at least for me, because I'm an introvert. You're a little bit more social, but it's always been a little bit more difficult for me to connect with other people in the way, like I find that a lot of people either think I'm trying to be too brainy or maybe more than I am. And I'm just like, I'm just a person who trying to strive. Sorry, right. cereal bar just went down the wrong way. <laughs> but um, I'm really glad that God brought us, you know, back to a position where we could talk again because I miss this. I miss being able to speak with you uh, on, on a level that 
you're you're my perfect level you're you're my match i feel like intellectually let where there are some areas where you are obviously superior in your in your knowledge or your wisdom because of your experience but then um i feel like we both have something to offer the other and mm -hmm. we're mature enough more or less at the same level where we could connect but we can still help the other one grow mm -hmm. and i think that that for me i've been missing that especially this hustle and grind culture that we live in i just feel like nobody has time <laughs> <laughs> nobody everybody's has time busy. to connect anymore everybody's booked and busy um and i think unfortunately in our culture we associate being um, busy with being productive. And it's not necessarily true. You can be busy and very unproductive. Um, and it's like that with relationships. You could do a lot of things together, a lot of coffee dates, a lot of whatever, Bible studies, whatever, and not, be, and not have a productive friendship. I think that what you and I miss in our friendship was the productivity. We have been in a lot of relationships with people where we've done a lot of good things, great things, trips and whatever, hiking and Bible studies and whatever, but they haven't been productive friendships because they haven't forced us to grow and they haven't forced us to self-reflect. And I think, um, and I know, I shouldn't even say I think, I know that had I matured in my pride in, in being able to look at it for what it was, that I wouldn't have responded in um, certain areas of our friendship the way I did, that I'm going to um, starve you of my presence and affection because you've hurt me in such a way. That's prideful, that's, that's, that's pride. And when you operate in that pride, what you tell the other person is, as long as you're stroking my ego, we're good. When you can no longer serve me, we're no longer friends. And I think that um, a lot of us do that subconsciously. I would say that stemmed from me wanting nurturing and wanting to have a space where I could be soft. A lot of people that have met me, they think I'm assertive, they think I'm you know, bold and brash and straightforward. And I can be those things. And in some cases, I pull from those strengths because I'm in a situation where it's necessary. But my friendship with you gave me a space where I could be soft and gentle and, and vulnerable. But when you start to become codependent on that other person to bring that out in you, you put a lot of responsibility on that other person. So when, you know, when you want someone to uh coddle you it's just like coddle me and if you're not available to do that you don't love me and it's very <laughs> it it sounds really ridiculous right um but that's what we do it it's it's re, it's you're like standing outside of it you're like come on you knew better than that but when you allow the that emotion of feeling abandoned or feeling unheard to dictate your actions you lean into pride and you start to make decisions that starve a, a, a relationship versus feed it. And so I think um, I would say that was my greatest downfall in handling our relationship. I got so used to, I mean, we were laughing about it the other day. We became friends because I punched somebody in the face because he was bullying you. Um, you know? And it was just, I demanded your friendship. It wasn't even like, <laughs> it wasn't even like I got to know you. It was just like, you're going to be my best friend. And you were just like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then the rest was history. But, and I remember us trying to bring other people into the group. Um, I, I think for the sake of this conversation, because I don't know how far this the Zoom will go, I'll leave out names, but bringing people into the group and then I would get close to them and you would be wounded a little bit and then they will say something. I'll be like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You get cut, you get cut for that, you know? And it's cute at first when you have two people 
that want that affirmation. You have two people that want that safe space to be soft and to be cared for and to be nurtured. The problem is when that is absent of good biblical principle, then when life really happens, because high school, okay, it, high school for both of us, you know, I didn't even buy a yearbook because it was just like, if I don't remember you after graduation and you didn't make an impact, you know? Um, <laughs> but when you void the relationship of Christ and you get married and you have kids and, you know, you know miscarriages come, divorce comes, um, you know what I mean? Financial issues comes and that person is dealing with their stuff and they can't feed into that need, oh, then the woundedness comes and you're not loyal and you've abandoned me and you're too busy for me, you're too good now. And you know all of these lies we tell ourselves versus just saying, wait, whoa, stop. What's your capacity? Here's my capacity. What you need? Here's what I need. Can we do this for each other? Or is this a season where we're just gonna have to pray and hunker down and we'll, and we'll circle back? So I I'll think leave, I'll leave your comment you on that. hit a really good point because, um, and I think we've apologized in, in the past for this. I think we often fall into a bad habit, not even knowing, but mm -hmm. we're putting on expectations on our friends, our family, or, or whoever in our lives, mm -hmm. uh, a whole, for them to fill a void that only God could fill mm -hmm. because they're tangible in their presence. Mm -hmm. and I've done it with you, you've done it with me, and then the moment that that person can't feel that need, then you think you're being abandoned when in reality, there is no human being mm -hmm. that can fill that void, that can fill that space. They right. were never intended to, they were never created to. Right. And so when we disrespect creation the way God intended like that person was only meant to be a little pointer you can mm -hmm. only go so far here here's the boundary and mm -hmm. after this if you need more you have to come to God right but we're so me 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 centered me 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 centered I will say on to piggyback off of your other comment um about um, so you responded in pride and I decided to hang on to woundedness, which made our coming together a little bit. Um, it took us a long time to, to come back to this space where we're gelling now again, mm -hmm. the way that we used to, you know, come together. Um, so after this rejection and Mike was actually a to me, instrumental in, because he would be like, hey, you know, why don't you talk to Anne again? I'm like, no, no, this is my broken heart, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to nurse it, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I, I look back at that season, it's just so silly, it's just so ridiculous to hold on to this, to this woundedness, um, you know, we could talk about forgiveness, um, on another day. Cause that's, that's a forever topic, mm. but, um, I think that, um, me naturally having a tend a tender heart, mm -hmm. um, I, I've always gravitated to nursing and licking a wound. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just sit here and <laughs> lick on it. Lick on it a little bit. Maybe it'll taste good after the hundredth time I, I re-roll this incident in my in my brain. No. <laughs> and only uh I would say in the last couple of years, I have really realized how ridiculous and how self-destructive that is. Mm -hmm. And we are not promised tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow. And holding on to these wounds when we have another party that has genuinely uh, repented. They're sorry. You could tell that they're sorry. We, we we never know how to apologize the right way. Oh, that's really don't. Topic. <laughs> that's a that's a whole nother. We have content for weeks on that. Um, but I I would say um, for those of you guys who don't know, Mike is my childhood sweetheart that I ended up marrying. Um, 
And my childhood friend that I've known since kindergarten. Since kindergarten. And so he knows both of our personalities pretty well, pretty well. And um, he came to me and was just like, you know, Raquel is reaching out to you. I'm just like, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> she can talk to me now. She can talk to me. She understands it now. I don't know. You know, um, and what that pointed out to me was my lack of grace in allowing people, in this case, you, to develop and to change. So it was, you should have understood me at the beginning. You didn't, so sucks to be you. When in actuality, I wasn't even the same person, right? So I wanted grace to be able to change. I wanted grace to be able to make different decisions. And I wanted everybody to come along with me. But in reverse, you're supposed to stay the same. And it's, again, very selfish and self-righteous and prideful um, to expect others not to develop for the benefit of your comfort. And so that's a big deal. That's a, that's, that's a big thought nugget right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was comfortable with you being the sheep and me being the defender. And when you came and said, well, this is my truth in this moment of time with the information that I have, with the understanding that I have, this is my stance on it because it rubbed me. I felt as though you weren't being true to you and you weren't being true to me when in actuality, you're just going through a metamorphosis of development. And when I understood that, then I could say, well, when I got divorced and she said this to me, she was really saying it out of love. Like, hey, Annie, you are spontaneous. You are like, you make big decisions really quick and, you, and, and yes, you have grit, but do you need to have, do you need to create this situation for you and your kids right now? That's really what you were saying. What I heard was, you're not holy enough because you've made this choice. And that's never what you meant, but that's what I heard. And so everything, so when I saw your life develop and I saw your parents' relationship and you know those conversations, I'm just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. How come she can understand them and she can understand me? That's not really what was happening. It was a developmenting process. You know what I mean? As you got to have experiences up close and personal, then you are able to understand other people's experiences. The way I typically, or used to translate that was, oh, you, it's good for you now because it happened to one, somebody that's close to you, but it wasn't good for me. No, what, re what it really is, is she understands it now because she's close to it. It doesn't mean that she still agrees doesn't mean that she's co-signing it. It just means she has a different understanding of it. And in all actuality, if we are going to be honest here, divorce is terrible. It's like a death. I don't know. I really question those people that be popping champagne and doing all them parties because I'd be like, really? Because it really hurt. It hurt. It hurt to take all of my 20s and part of my 30s poured into a relationship that didn't work. And then when you realize that what you do to your friends, you probably did to your spouse and that you got, you got just as much stock in it falling apart, then it really hurts. Then you really have to mourn some of the decisions that you've made. You grieve those decisions. You grieve those actions. You ask for forgiveness. It's a very humbling thing. So going through that process, when Mike came to me, it was just like, could you not give grace the way you've received grace? Could you not give grace the way you received grace? And I saw your efforts. I saw when you, you even wrote on Facebook how much you loved me. And the other part of that is when someone is trying to love you, you have to, you have to put yourself in a position to receive it. People try. We tried, you know what I mean? We, 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 but you have to put yourself in a position to receive it because if you do not, it will always come off as disingenuous. You will always have a cynical mind against it. And I realized that I, um, I can be very cynical. Um, personality type, I'm an Enneagram. I started off as an Enneagram eight and then now I'm a six. Which so what does that, that mean? 
because now, now that you, I went whoop, right there. So what that means is when you're an eight, you're like the managerial, you're most people that are eights are like the Nelson Mandela's, the, the activists, the, the people that want justice, they're managerial, they're leaders, they're very assertive, very out there. And as life went on for me, I went into a six. A six is a person who wants to work with the team, wants to have security, needs to have community. I never craved community as much as when we lost our friendship. And then I, the Lord healed my wound by giving me a lot of friends with different personality types that I ended up building really close relationships with. Then I left that and moved to Georgia and I was devastated. That's when I realized how blessed I was. That's when I realized when I didn't have you to talk to, I didn't have Sue to walk with, I didn't have Lynn to do coffee with, I didn't have Tangia to do our hair and do stupid, silly stuff with, I didn't have little, little bit to do shots with, you know, all of these little things that made up my life the Lord isolated me and then I realized, wow, you, that lone wolf attitude that you had, you don't like it. Wow. You don't like it. You never liked it. You did it out of self-preservation. And what does the Bible say? When you save your life, you what? You lose it. Yep. Yep. And so when you try to self-preserve, when you try to hide your heart, you lose a lot of relationships, you lose opportunities to reconnect. I feel so blessed that you and I can talk about this and we can reconnect and we can learn from it. It shows my children like, wow, Auntie Raquel and mom are talking every day practically. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's big yeah. because the other people around you see the woundedness and they're, they're, they're trying to be on your side and they're still like, I don't know. <laughs> But, and it's funny, you know, one of the things I was thinking about that Enneagram, so you, you went from an Enneagram eight to an Enneagram six, mm-hmm. which in, in the natural, somebody might look at that and say, oh, you're, you're devolving, you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. And yet, even though in the natural, it might look like you're devolving or, or going in a south direction, in reality, you're not, you're moving forward because now it's not about the me, it's about the we. Mm-hmm. It's about the community. And if, and if one, you know, the, the, the Bible, I tell you, God is so much smarter than we are and mm-hmm. it takes us forever to catch up. But you know, the, the word even says, you know, if one of the smallest member is hurting, then the whole body is hurting. The whole body is aware that that one tiny member is hurting. Mm -hmm. And when we learn to be about the community rather than be about ourselves, um, I think we're all the more healthier for it. For me, on this on this side, I had to learn that I was a little bit too sensitive, mm-hmm. that I was allowing myself or I was allowing the enemy too much rent in my head. Mm-hmm. Because every one of us, we do something from a place of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just as broken as you are. I'm just broken in a different way. And I don't want to be um, not forgiven. I don't want to be pushed off to the side when I'm genuine, at least when I'm genuinely trying to um, making genuine efforts to restore a relationship. And I realized that me nursing a lot of woundedness the only thing I was doing was hurting myself because the only thing I kept doing is every time the Lord was trying to like heal something, I just kept ripping off that scab mm. and licking it, ripping off that scab and licking it. And um, it, it just does, does no earthly good. Whereas now I'm just like, I look at that time as such foolish, wasted time. And if I could just, if I could just take those years back, if I could just, go back and understand and just say to myself, okay, you know what? In her brokenness, 
we're not understanding each other and my brokenness and then her brokenness, we're not understanding each other. That's how I see it now. Now I see it as, you know what? We're two flawed human beings that did not understand each other. And that's okay. I think when I look back at that time, I will say that most of it wasn't you. And follow me with this. When our relationships start to disintegrate, it's usually a reflection of our disintegrating relationship with God. It's a spiritual stagnation that has occurred. And so in our early 20s, both of us were raised in the church, different churches, but both conservative. So we understood that about each other. We leave our parents' house and we wild out. You know, I've done, <laughs> I've done things I'm sure I know about um, because I knew you would call me, on, call me out on it. And you've done things I'm sure you haven't told me about for the same reason. But the things that we did know, and we've apologized about this. Um, I remember being at your mom's dining room table and we talking about you marrying Tony and apologizing for allowing each other to be ratchet for no reason. <laughs> for no yep. reason. Yep. Um, and I've never had a friend be so bold to say, you know what, I'm sorry for not calling you out. Cause that was ratchet. I should have called you out on that. Yeah. Um, and I still haven't found a friend. I, I would say Sue came close, but I still haven't found a friend that was bold enough to say, you doing too much, you know? Um, <laughs> and and I, I look at letters from, from high school when I was messing with this one boy and his best friend, because I was hurt that Mike and I broke up our junior year. And you wrote me this letter during Christmas because I went off. Who are you to touch me? You don't understand my pain. You know, always, always been dramatic. And so, and then you wrote me that letter. And I remember calling you, whispering on the phone, Rock, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, I have, now I have this crazy reputation. And it's not even me. Like the reputation is not even who I want to be. It's just out of anger. It's out of hurt. It's okay. I'm going to get the boys before they get me. And they think they're playing mind games with me. I'm going to play mind games with them. And you understood at a very early age that that was hurt. But again, um, for the sake of repeating myself, when real life happens, when marriages happen and pregnancies happen, um, and we talked about this the other day, I never thought about me being pregnant, how that would make you feel. Never. I just knew that you were the closest thing to me besides my sister and my mom. And I was having a pregnancy where a doctor was telling me each week that my son wasn't going to live. And I just wanted my friend. But I hadn't even known what you had just gone through because you didn't express it to me. And so I was kind of like, why is she acting funny? And, you know, I don't understand. And, you know, you know, I even went as far as saying like, I would be there for her, you know what I mean? Not realizing. And then when I realized what had happened, it was just like, well, she starved me from being there for her. Like you, you, you just couldn't win, right? <laughs> you just couldn't win because why? My relationship with the Lord was topsy-turvy. It was, Lord, why would, I, why would you bless me with this son that was prophesied to me and then not make him live? Why would you, and it was this fighting, this, it was this trying to have belief in this hard time. And I remember that's why his name is Judah, because all I did was listen to praise and worship music. I didn't know the words to pray. I didn't know the scripture to read anymore. It was just praise and worship music. And the Lord showed me in that moment, you can't treat your friend well, and you can't treat your spouse well, because you haven't treated me well. You, you, you have tantrums with me. Mm. And so now you have tantrums with everybody else. You don't understand my sovereignty. So you don't understand boundaries with everybody else. And, and so, it, so you're, you're the, okay. So in your, your personality type, and um, I will say this, 
that to put that into context, there was a flaw in me, which is I struggle with putting up boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I created, I will say that in my good intentions, because even the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Hey, Madonna. <laughs> so um, I created also uh, an expectation in you just by being, at that time, I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Saying no was very, very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And I was burning myself out. I was adulting finally for like, you know, for the first time. So here we, here we go. You know, we're here. We have this friendship in the seventh grade, eighth grade, all through high school. We finally get our licenses. Okay. So we're running around like, you know, mad women being wild and free as, as youthful, you know, right. As it is in our youth. Right. And then um, you get married and you start adulting. And then I get married and I start adulting. Well, I can't, well, what I did before, which is to drop everything and to do, to be a friend, I can't do that anymore because now I'm, I'm adulting over here. Mm-hmm. I created something I could not sustain. Mm-hmm. And I have to take responsibility. And now my mother has tried to, my mother all, all through growing up, I don't know why this head did not want to receive that information. I didn't understand it. I was just like, I'm just trying to be nice. You know, I want to please people. But it was um, it was something that the enemy has perverted. It's a brokenness mm-hmm. in me because it's, it's a wanting to please people at the expense of my own health, at the expense of my own energy, at the expense of my own goals. Mm-hmm. It's a serving that God, only God could do that. Only God is limitless in his energy. Right. Only God has accomplished all his goals and has all the time in the world. Only God has time in his hands to to be able to do that. And I created an expectation. I'm, I'm, I'm partly responsible for that because I really, what other experience did you have? But Rock was always going to drop what what she was going to do and and be there for Annie. And it was vice versa. And, and here's the wisdom in what you were doing when you were trying to set that boundary. You put your husband in the, in the proper place. I did not put Richard in this proper place in my life. Again, it's the disconnect. So when God doesn't answer that prayer, God doesn't love me. If God doesn't you know, show up at this time where I think is the right time, God has abandoned me. You see that brokenness? And here's how it translates in marriage. She's my friend. She's been here all the time. You haven't. So when Rock called me, I'm still dropping everything and running. It creates this, you should do that for me. And when you couldn't do it for me, Rock doesn't love me because that's how I treated God. When when God says no, it's like, oh, the Lord doesn't love me. That's not true. It's just not for you, right? And so because I did not understand the boundary that you set, and because I had this, this need to be cared for, this need to be coddled, this need to be loved and to be tender towards, as long as that was starving, I'm pulling it from wherever I can get it, pulling it from wherever I can get it. Now, as we know, Richard is not a warm and fuzzy type of person. <laughs> So you marry somebody who can't give it to you, but you've always had that one place you could go, right? And here is the twisted part of it. Here's the twisted part. I didn't like you being a people pleaser for everybody else. I would tell you about it. I would fight for you. I would cut people for you. Whatever I needed to do to protect Rock, I would do it. But if it was for me, it was okay. That's abuse. And we don't like to say that we're abusive, but that's mental abuse. That's manipulative. You can't do it for everybody else. But for me, we good. Yeah. That's abuse. Yeah. And when I realized later on how much abuse that I sustained in my life caused me to become an abuser, it was really, really hard for me. It was really, really hard for me because it was just like, well, to your point, good intentions, right? 
It was just like, well, she needed protecting. Yeah, but you did you protect her because she needed protecting or did you protect her so that you would have enough to call back and say, remember when I did this for you? Why aren't you here for me? That's what creates brokenness in relationships. It's different than reciprocity. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is manipulation. Reciprocity comes organically. Reciprocity comes when you say, okay, that person is sick and I know that they would be there for me. Let me reciprocate. You know what I mean? Um, because I know that's that's giving into the emotional bank. But what yes. I'm saying is manipulation in the sense of if you're not there for me, I'm going to make you feel bad for not being there for me because I've been there for you. That guilt tripping is mental abuse. And it's not meant in any relationship. And what I look at is all of the relationships that I tied myself to, either I was being abused that way, so I mirrored that, that, that behavior, or I was the abuser from mirroring the behavior of whatever. Um, and unfortunately, I love my mom. Um, I love her dearly, but my mom didn't set healthy boundaries in her relationships. Mm. I learned very early on that I had to defend my mom. Mm. My mom wanted to, she, she felt as though to show love, everybody had to be happy. That's impossible. That's so impossible. you were actually raised by a people pleaser. Yes. But, I, but she also had this thing of making me feel guilty if I didn't show up for her in certain ways. You know what I mean? It would be like, I worked so hard for you. So it'd be like, all right, well, I won't do chorus then. You know what I mean? Oh, I worked so all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this then. Um, and I've done it to my kids. I've given you everything that I have. Why? And you're like. And that goes, that goes, that, that crosses the boundary of using your children as a surrogate spouse. And I have, because it's funny, you know what? And this is, um, I know this is not the first time, but it's it's the first time in a long time that it's come to my mind. You were brought up by a people pleaser, which is very much my nature. Mm-hmm. And I was raised by a very aggressive person that's very much like yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that we have ourselves, like you're the mirror uh, somewhat of, of a mother that raised me. And I think I'm the same way Mm-hmm. with you yeah but the thing about it is the same anger i had towards you i had towards my mom when she got married i felt like she just all of our brushed you aside mm-hmm. oh my gosh <laughs> just when we think just when we think we're over it And so I t- became in this competition with my stepdad. And that's how I felt when you married Tony. Mm. Like I was competing with, with Tony. And it made me angry. Mm. Because I was just like, I'm, I'm her Tony. <laughs> mm. I'm the one that takes her shopping. And I think one of the worst memories that I have is when you said, you know, you were planning the wedding and you're just like, oh, if I had my car, it would have turned out different. And I just, I'm just like, I was riding her around. I was her type. (laughs) (laughs) And I had Rebecca at that time, you know, I'm like, I'm leaving the baby with Richard and dragging Rebecca around the bridal shops. Why isn't she happy? But I couldn't, I couldn't see how much of a overbearing friend I was, you know what I mean? Like I was telling Raquel, uh, I was telling Rebecca about how we were looking at your bridal shower invitations and cause she was saying, Auntie Raquel still like sunflowers. And I'm like, no, it's more birds now, but you know, and, um, <laughs> and um, you know, you wanted this invitation to have this big bright sunflower and I was like girl I ain't sending those out and I argued with you to get the one the invitations that I liked it still had sunflowers but the, the ones that I that were okay for me and and Rebecca was just like 
but it was her shower. And I was just like, you have to understand where my mindset was at that time. And it was her shower, but it was my shower because it was my Raquel. And that's how I felt with my mom. It was just like, I was, I started competing and then I left myself open to a lot of abuse from my stepfather because of this competition and whatever brokenness he had, he used that wedge and it became a whole mess um, to the point that I ended up in therapy. <laughs> I just want to highlight something because I think it needs to be spoken out loud because I think we're, you're not the only person and I'm not the only person that um, when we have our family members, our circle of friends, um, or even in, even in a, a work environment, that there doesn't have to be competition. Mm -hmm. That in reality, if you have a, a, a relatively healthy, we're all broken in some way, shape or form, but if you have a relatively uh, healthy relationship uh, with certain people, there is room in that person's heart. You're not being replaced. Mm -hmm. There is an expansion in that person's heart that happens and it can include whoever else is coming into the circle. And it doesn't negate all of the special that <laughs> you are. Right. You know, um, me, me personally, I, I, I've had that weight on me with my mom because my mom and my dad had such a, and I think this is one of the reasons why I have so much burnout in my life because I've always had someone make me a surrogate something and I am not God. You are breaking me. You are breaking me, but I didn't know how to how to say it I didn't understand what was going on the only thing I un I understood is that people were asking me for more than I could give and I didn't understand why people didn't understand that what I did what I now I know but now we're talking 40 plus years later mm -hmm. well, now I'm understanding that I I was being used as a surrogate uh, an emotional surrogate for my mother it was a, a surrogate spouse Mm -hmm. And I, and there were expectations. I was my mom's best friend. Something that um, it's fine, you know, when when people mature into adulthood, and then you could be friends with your your parents. But there was something a little bit more. My my mother needed to draw more from me because she wasn't receiving that in her own marriage. Um, I don't think my mother did that intentionally. I don't think that even she could put that into words. Um, I don't think she had the tools to recognize it. Mm -hmm. Um, but now when I look back at me, I understand that the enemy, because in reality, it's the enemy using our brokenness, mm -hmm. the enemy using our brokenness and distracting us from the real, mm -hmm. uh, solution, which is Christ because only Christ could be our all in all. Right. And I love my mother. I love my father. I love my husband. I love my pastors. I love my best friend, which is Anne. Uh, there's nobody that could take your place. But at the end of the day, Annie doesn't have everything for me. I'm not Junior Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's. I think that that's a beautiful thing when you realize that we gravitate to the relationships that, that initially are, are programming. You know, I saw my mom as defenseless and I had to defend her. I picked friends who I felt that I could defend. But here's the problem with that. When you come up against a relationship like my relationship with my eldest stepson, um, and you realize it's really in your arrogance that you feel as though that you could be, your love is so transformative, right? <laughs> you can love someone, you can rescue someone who frankly is not asking to be rescued. Even if they need it. Even if they need it. And you have to know your place in that person's life. 
And when you don't know that, it leaves yourself up for abuse. It leaves you up for un to be underappreciated. It leaves room for bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, and the list goes on. Yeah. And so my need to rescue someone is because I wanted someone to rescue me. You know what I mean? And mm. I always had this picture of my mom as she wasn't able to. She wasn't able to. So I want to be for others what I think my mom wasn't able to do at the time. Hmm. And it puts a responsibility, it puts a weight on the, the relationships around you. You know what I mean? Um, thank God for my husband, Mike. He's tenderhearted like you. Um, but we've had this conversation where I said to him, you got to love God more than you love me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and to be a true friend to me, you have to tell me the truth. You know what I mean? To be a true lover to me, you have to tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's ugly and it's, and it's, and sometimes painful, but what people don't realize about people like me who are assertive and nah, 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 we're just as sensitive. Absolutely. And you were one of the few people in my life that would check on me, you know, cause when you're strong, nobody checks on you. It's just like, she'd be all right. She always land on her feet. She got grit. She's strong. I don't need to call her. I don't need to check on her. But you need. I need to highlight that. I remember the first, real quick, and I, you can no, get no, back no, to no, your no. point. But I remember the first time we were in a in the high school uh, staircase, mm -hmm. and I forgot what drama was going on. The only thing I remember was you crying, and I just remember, like, <laughs> you coming in because you needed a hug, and I was just like what's going on and it was the first time that the thought ran across my mind wow even strong people cry mm -hmm. even strong people have their moments of weakness even strong people need because you're right you were like such a uh strong-willed person that it did not cross my mind it did not cross my mind that you needed anything like okay, and and is and knows how to fend for herself. She gonna whatever she needs. She gonna she gonna go get it. She gonna get it. And if she don't get it, she gonna take it. So she gonna be all right. <laughs> so I had to learn, and that I, that was the beginning. A matter of fact, in you crying, you helped me to see my mom in a different way. Then I saw my mother's vulnerabilities because my mom was the exact same way. My mom hypersensitive. I think my mom is more sensitive than me. Matter of fact, I think yours more. And my husband is more, even though you're strong personalities, we'll never take that away from you. But I think that you guys are so strong because you are hiding a tenderness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you and Mike were the only people on this planet that seemed to understand that. And now my and now my children, my children know that I'm sensitive, and unfortunately, their reaction to my sensitivity is don't tell her that. Do not call her. <laughs> if you don't want the rain of fire, if we can fix it, please don't call her. Um, but the unfortunate part about that is when they were experiencing their own abusive relationships, they didn't tell me because they didn't know how I was going to respond. They didn't know if it was going to break me. They didn't know if I was going to kill the person. They just didn't know. Um, and so even in, even in that tenderness, which I think that um, when we look at modern Christianity, we package this tenderness as next to godliness, right? Oh, you're so tender. You're godly. That's not necessarily true. There yep. has to be a balance. Yep. God doesn't say that. He, he, he doesn't say blessed are the tender. He says mm -hmm. blessed are the meek. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. And what is that? The meek is the person who knows how to be tender when they have all the power. Mm -hmm. It's difference. It's, it's power under control. And so I wasn't meek. I was overly sensitive. And, and, I, and, I, and I use that word in caution because there are people that are more empathic. My daughter, Candace, is one very empathic individual like she feel when she says she feels you she has taken on your emotion like she yes. feels you and that's a gift 
with that gift left unchecked means that you're you're blown by every circumstance. Yes. And every wind of doctrine. Yes. Right. And so you, you sympathize with a community so much, you become a part of that community for a season. And then you sympathize with this and you become that for a season. And, and it, and what ends up happening is you start creating all these masks that you have to wear. And yes. I did that for a while. It yes. made me good at marketing, but it's hell personal. Mm-hmm. Your personal life is hell. Business it's great because you can go into any situation to get the contract. But personally, it's after a while, you're, you're, the people close to you want your authentic you. Mm-hmm. You start to come off as disingenuous. You start to come off as phony. And in your heart, your intentions are pure. Mm-hmm. But because you have you become so empathetic and you put on all these emotions and you got to put on all these different hats, you lose yourself. And that's basically a big part of why our, our friendship became damaged. You know what I mean? Because when you lose your identity, that person doesn't know how to love you. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember how mad I got at you when, when you, you talked to me about the spiritual aspect of me getting a tattoo and I was so upset and I felt you were so judgmental and no, no, no. But there was, for me, all the things that I did was trying to grasp onto a connection and keep this stability in a person. And that just shows how unstable I was spiritually. Like I just felt that God wasn't showing up in certain places in my life. And to your point, when I don't have something, I go get it. And and that's not always a good thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. you go to the wrong places mm-hmm. to, get, to get what you think you need. Um, and I created a lot of self-harm and, and I started plucking my chin excessively because I started to self, just critical. If I saw a pimple, if I saw it, I became self-critical. I became a functioning alcoholic. I became more aggressive. Again, worked really well at work. Hell in personal life, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I started to do what my mom did to me. Rebecca became one of the closest things to me, my eldest kid. And I'll never forget when we moved here and she graduated from high school, the pastor of our church, he said, at, um, he said to her, you, your responsibility is not to make sure that your mom is emotionally okay. You love your mom, honor your mom, but she has to deal with that. And when that child went away to college, I realized how much I depended on her emotionally. I fell completely apart. I'm talking about I unraveled. And I can only think of how that made my other children feel. Wow. You have a younger brother, so you know. And it and so it there was a lot of rebuilding, a lot of apologizing, a lot of letting go, a lot of, you know seeing her for it as an individual and not as my therapist or not as a built-in best friend. I love our relationship. We're close. I cherish it. And my relationship with Candace Judah uh, is, is close in a different way. But unfortunately, Rebecca put the way, the foundation of relationship had to be reevaluated. It had to be pulled up and reevaluated. And I have to realize you can't, you can't emotionally cheat with your kid and you shouldn't, and you shouldn't emotionally cheat with your best friend. And that's what it was. I, you were like, this is going to sound weird, but hopefully the audience is intellectual enough to get it. You were like the emotional mistress. That's a good way of putting it. That's a very good way of putting it. Mm Mm-hmm. I could be vulnerable, I could be messy, I could be funny, I could be angry, and I knew Raquel would love me. That's that that that's a lot to carry. <laughs> and then be that to your husband, and then be that to your mom, and then be that to the church, and then be that to that's a lot. I think in listening to all of that, the only thing that it confirms to me is just how much 
And again, because God will, when we have a deficit in whatever, God will put people in our paths to help us Mm -hmm. that will be able to feed us in the way that we need to be fed. Our Mm -hmm. problem is that we look at the food and not the hand that's giving us the food. Mm -hmm. And we keep falling into this cycle where we keep going to the human being Mm -hmm. and trying to overdraw on an account that was never meant to be. That ain't even got their name on it. No. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. And we just do ourselves more harm. And then, and then we wonder why our relationships are broken. And then we wonder why the people in our lives are like exhausted with us because mm-hmm. we exhaust people because mm-hmm. you're not the only one I've done that too you know mm-hmm. like how many times will we do it with our spouses now granted yes it's a different type of relationship but how many times pick a relationship parent to to child spouses at the end of the day we have to go to God. We have to go to Christ to fill that emotional void. And we just keep going to the human. You know, you had mentioned at the beginning, um, David and Jonathan. And here was the beautiful thing about David and Jonathan is that they knew their role that they were going to play. They had made the choice at the beginning of the friendship to know their role. So David and Jonathan had a covenant relationship the Bible says that it was so deep, it surpassed that of a love of a woman. But Jonathan reminded David on many occasions, hey, um, I'm next in line to the throne. And what you're asking me to do is going to cost this. And David had to understand what that cost was and act accordingly. And so David would do things like, hey, If I show up to this dinner, your dad's going to kill me. Jonathan would say, that's probably true. So this is what we're going to do. And and they would come to an agreement. And David never put Jonathan out on Front Street. At least not without his eyes being opened. Right. And not without Jonathan's approval. And I think what the breakdown in our relationship was, You didn't tell me, hey, I need to set this boundary. And I didn't tell you, hey, this is what I need. And so now we have these assumptions about the relationship. There's no clear communication. So now now this covenant becomes contractual because there's a difference. A covenant is, when you make a covenant with someone, it's unconditional love. It's flowing forgiveness. It's truth that is mingled with love. It's grace that is abounding. It's mercy. It's like bowels and bowels of mercy, as Proverbs says. That's when you have a covenant. When you have a contractual relationship, it's you ain't do this, so I ain't doing that. You did this, so I'm doing this. You did that, and so I'm doing this. And when that happens, guess what? The goalposts can move each and every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan allowed David to develop into a king and David allowed Jonathan to make the sacrifice he agreed upon. Mm -hmm. And though when Jonathan died, it grieved David, he already understood it. And that way he can, he even kept his word to Jonathan's children, his son, Mm -hmm. because he understood the dynamics of the relationship. So many times we get into friendships and we don't understand what a true friendship dynamic is. That friend is not supposed to be your surrogate mom. They're not supposed to be your surrogate spouse. They're not supposed to be their surrogate God that's within you. Because we say that we love to brag and say the spirit of the Lord liveth within me. If that's the case, then you have the power, right? To deal with those emotional issues. You have the power. You don't need your friends to give you that power you have it yeah you have the power to heal i'm not knocking therapy it has helped me and i will continue to go i'm not knocking any programs that i've been to i went through this american uh this amazing program next level it has helped me with a lot of blind spots and i will continue to grow however 
nothing beats when you are sit down with yourself and you like allow the Holy Spirit to say, you're selfish, you got a mouth on you, right? You don't like, you don't like boundaries. You're possessive. <laughs> and to your point, you can sometimes grab and go. You grab stuff that I didn't even put your name on. And then you want to be mad when I have to take it away from you later on. Because it wasn't. Oh, boy. It boy, wasn't. Boy, you talking today. You talking today, Em. Right? When you sit down and the Holy Spirit can talk to you like that, and you can say, you know what? That's true. Work on me. Then. Then you can then you can value a relationship. Then you can value that phone call when your friend says to you, "You know you're wrong, right?" <laughs> you know that's petty, right? And sometimes we change, and sometimes you'll get the. I know it's petty, but that's where I'm at right now. Okay, <laughs> okay. As long as you know. As long as you know. Yep. I think the biggest takeaway, um, because I'm going to wrap this up, but I think the biggest takeaway is that um, for whatever reason, I'm glad that Romans 8.28 is true, that God will take all things Mm -hmm. and our relationship hasn't been perfect, but I thank God that he can take even those imperfect moments in our relationship and make it something glorious that we can at least reflect back on, learn from, and strive to do better. And that's my that's my takeaway. I'm not looking for perfection anymore. I'm not perfect, um, and I can't expect you to be perfect. The only thing I can ask for is understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have that we're more committed to trying to understand our true selves and each other in a better way, in a, in a more healthier way than we did in the past. And I'm grateful to God about that. Michael Todd um, is a pastor from um, Transformation Church. And he made this comment that plays in my mind really often. He said that Jesus did not live up to his full potential. And I was just like, but here's what he did do. He lived yeah. up to his purpose. Yes, he did. Jesus had the potential to raise everybody from the dead, but he only raised a few. He had mm. the potential to, to heal the whole world with one swoop, but he only healed a few. Mm. He had the potential to really remove sin. He could have negotiated with God. I mean, God has negotiated with a lot. With humans, why would he not negotiate with his son? He had the potential to do that, but he understood his purpose and his purpose was to die. And that's what he did. Our friendship can have the potential to be a lot of things. Mm. We can make it whatever we want to make friendship to be. But what is the, the purpose of our friendship? The purpose of the friendship is to edify one another, mm-hmm. to build each other up, to be truthful with one another and give each other room to grow Mm-hmm. and understand the sovereignty of seasons. Mm-hmm. There may be a season where you can call me every day. There mm-hmm. may be a season where you can have to call me once a week. Yep. It doesn't make this season more elevated than the other. It just yep. is what it is. It is what it is. And when we live to the fullest in our seasons, we can grow, we can, and we'll even welcome the pruning when it happens. Yep. Because we know that after that, we'll flourish again. Yep. And it doesn't have to be so painful. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to take it so personal Yeah. when we're not getting our way. It's not because somebody wants to deny us something. It just right. can't be for right now. Right. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm very blessed to have you as a friend. And I thank God that he has um, given us this time again and i'm enjoying this season and i pray and i hope that um we are spiritually good for one another Mm -hmm. and that i can edify you and lift you up Mm 
um, the way that you need and not the way that I think that you need. Mm. And that I'm obedient to God and that I can faithfully give you whatever word or example I need to give you and just allow God to do the rest. Yeah, I think um, that's a powerful word. I think we should end on that. That's powerful. Do what the person needs, not what we think. Right? Yeah. And give and then let God do the rest. Not enforce, not Mm -hmm. bulldoze, (laughs) Mm -hmm. not overbearing, but just give and then let God do the rest. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's when love becomes transformative, right? Amen. I love you. I love you. So blessed to have you in my life. (laughs) Have a blessed day, Annie. Have a blessed day. Love you. Bye.